Connect Radio. Campus Connect Radio is an expression of the International Christian Student Group at Ben Gurion University. Hey everyone, how is everyone doing? Welcome to Campus Connect Radio, episode four. Yeah. And um, we are here, and we are an international Christian student group at Ben-Gurion University. And, you know, as international students, it can be pretty difficult being so far from home and from our communities back wherever we're from. So as Christians, it's often hard to be so far away from everyone. And um, so our goal today is we want to encourage you through music, through stories, and, and some scriptures from the Bible. And our topic today is, is basically um, something, you know, we've been going through the book of Acts and um, we decided to take a short break, but still relate it to the book of Acts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and we're going to be talking about racism. Mm. And so um, today with us, we have a few different guests. So I'm Anthony and I'm one of the co-hosts and I'm white. And I'm Emeka, I'm also a co-host, and I'm black. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have some, some other guests with us. So, uh, Samuel. Hello. He's black, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, Emeka yeah. and Samuel are from Nigeria. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm from the United States. And um, we have with us Hillary. Hi. Yeah, I'm, so I'm Asian. I come from Myanmar um, in Southeast Asia. Wonderful. And we have one other Asian lady with us. Hello, I'm Hepsiba. I'm from India, South part of India. All right. It's wonderful. So um, so we want to get into some of these issues, but before we do that, we're going to get into a song. Emeka, what is the song we want to hear today? Okay, so the title of the song is My World Needs You. It's a song by Kirk Franklin. And I think the song actually relates with what we are going through now in this time. Like, we all need God. We need God's help. It's this... this it, the song starts with the phrase, show me your face. And it just kind of resonates with the current situations now, how we easily make decisions based on looks. But how much would we relate with each other if we're able to see each other through the eyes of God's love? So that's the song by Craig Franklin, um, My World Needs You. Show me your face Fill up this space my world needs you right now my world needs you right now i can't escape being afraid fill me with you right now my world needs you right now show me Bring with it a sound 
Thank you, Emeka, for that song. I mean, that, that's intense from Kirk Franklin. And really, if we could see each other without our skin, right. just our spirits, right? What, mm. what would we see? But, but the truth is, the first thing we see is our, each other's skin. <laughs> and right. so, so um, you know, we have these issues that are from all around. And, and you know, obviously, one of the most famous, famous issues that's happening right now is what happened with George Floyd and the incredibly tragic murder of George Floyd that was watched by millions mm. um, and, and causing so much uh, uproar around the world. Um, what, what are some of the other, other things that happened re related to that? Yeah, so recently there's been like so new headlines in America and also in Europe about matters with racism. So there's the issue with George Floyd. There's another, there was a new one from last week about Richard Brooks. So a guy who was shot also by the police. Um, the statue of Leopold in Belgium, who was a king about 150 years ago. And he had, there were some intense stories of how he dealt with the Congolese slaves. Some of them, their hands were amputated. And I think till this time, there's still some way in which that history has been upheld like it's something good. So people during this, the, the, the issue with George Floyd led to an uproar and the statue was brought down in Belgium. So there's a lot of things happening 
and it just it brings questions to our minds like as christians do we see this as political issues or do we have a part to play in it as a believer does it do i have a part to play so questions have come to my mind personally as well as others around as an african who has been in community of different culture and i've felt at home at those people like are there other people who have questions like are there matters that have not been addressed amongst us do we sugarcoat certain things so how do we address these things as a body of christ and i think that's what we're here to talk about yeah um do, do we want to relate this to the book of acts right now can we yeah i think this is a good time to get in so we start yeah. with scripture let's start with scripture so i think the first scripture will be acts 6 verse 1 Acts 6 verse 1. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a murmuring against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Mm. Wow. So basically in the very first beginning of the followers of Jesus, like after, after these, these guys, there, there was this big um, group of people that came to faith 5,000 people came to faith in one day, and so they were all trying to take care of each other, and it's talking about how they were sharing food with each other. But there were different groups of Jewish people, and one of them was Grecian, one of them was more Greek background, and one of them was more Hebrew-speaking background. But they were all Jewish, but the Greek-speaking people, the Greek background kind of speaking people, they, were felt, they felt like they were being neglected in right. the distribution of food. And so... Um, is this, is this our first example of systemic racism even in the church? I mean, this, this is a very interesting question. Right, right. <laughs> okay, so I think one of you guys, if you have anything to say about it, Hilary, do you have a view? Well, yeah, I mean, I think um, it's, it's really interesting. Actually, you know, throughout, throughout, the, throughout the New Testament, you'll see, I think it's throughout the Bible, like there's, there's points that... that are touched about racism and about discrimination and i just i do love i, I wouldn't i don't know if it's yeah you can call it racism because these are just grecian the grecian um uh, jews were people who still uh um lived with that greek um culture even though they came to know jesus they they are part of they've converted to Judaism, right? They still also kind of um, associate themselves with the Grecian culture. Right. And so, so based on that culture, there is a discrimination. Mm. So it could be, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I would call it systemic racism yet because it wasn't really even a it system yet, the you know? Conception, like conception, I guess. Everybody like came together and they're just trying to figure out what to do, but they were starting to distribute food and there was some kind of discrimination happening. At least those people felt like there was. Yeah. Mm. And, um, you know, so, so, so these are issues that the church and, and people who have faith in God have been facing for a long time. Right. And, um, you know, like some, some, some people say, well, well the, the church should not be involved in any politics. That we, our mm. job is to just pray and sing and and uh, try to you know kumbaya with everyone <laughs> and pray <laughs> and and then uh, you know the the other people say you know what what are we talking about we need to be out there like being being warriors for social justice mm. and forget this praying stuff we don't need any of that let's just get out there and fight right and and so what what is your guys opinion on that what what is the what is the role of believers in Yeshua believers in Jesus 
in addressing social in- social issues mm. and injustice. So I would say from the scripture, what we just read in Acts 6, it's clear that this problem was identified. So as much as we wouldn't call it systemic racism, I would think its conception was easily tracked. Because if it wasn't addressed, it would have actually become systemic racism. And, so, well, yeah. one of the one of the aspects of systemic racism, one of the aspects of it is also that it's insidious, right? It's not right. like in your face. It may not. It it can become in your face and obvious over time, but it's based on just kind of small things, small prejudice that people have against other people of different color, different culture. Um, so it might not be systemic because there's no system, but I think there is there is a problem based on yes. this. Because systems are also made by people, right? Right. So if if I have some imbalance in my thought system Mm -hmm. and I'm placed in a position of authority, I could easily fall into the trap of creating a racial system. Mm -hmm. So um, we see, um, I think people might not really be aware of this until you find yourself in that position. Like being in the group like now, like the Campus Connect group with different with students from different countries i realized for myself now we know someone is a nigerian i'm nigerian the way we relate based on our culture is different so i could easily relate with someone so i got to realize that possibly there could be an avenue where i am supposed to make a leadership decision probably it would be more comfortable for me to want to appoint someone to do something mm. I could easily fall into that trap of making a decision and saying, okay, someone go do this without real, without trying to understand every other person. So it's, it's, I think where every human falls into that trap of classification and there's, there's no problem in being diverse, but we should just try to avoid the trap of seeing the other different person as wrong and me as right. So that's where we have to come in. And just, I think it calls for a lot of self-evaluation. So the systemic racism, now why we are able to identify things like this is because we are seeing people in authority who have failed. But that doesn't mean the other civilians who are throwing stones are actually not also prone to racism in that sense. But it's what do you do when you come into a position of authority? How do you exercise that authority without racial prejudice? Yeah. Samuel, do you have something? I think I like how it was resolved in that situation we just read in the book of Acts that they, as you said, identified the problem and then selected God-fearing people who had the spirit of God in them. I think that marks the difference, that the spirit of Christ is the spirit of love. So the way those who were selected were able to handle the matter was because they had the spirit of God who led them to do things in line with what the spirit of love requires. And that was resolved. So I think in the situation we're in, we as Christians should be able to, as you said, identify the problem and then identify people amongst us who have been filled with the Spirit of God who can help administer justice in the way of love that Christ's Spirit requires. All right. So this summons answers like with racism in the church, right? Let's, uh, Let's hear what the verse says that Samuel was reading. It's from Acts 6, 3. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful thing. And so inside of the church, this is an important way of handling it. And, and you know, it's interesting inside of all the culture, 
Well, we, we, we like to think that if everyone were a good follower of Jesus, because Jesus as an example was a, a, a completely loving person and, and did not show racism. He reached out across racial borders in different instances in the New Testament. And so um, the, 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 we, we like to think, okay, if everybody was a Christian, then racism would be gone. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> but, but we, you know, we have a, um, so I, I want to get back to what you were just talking about a second mm-hmm. ago, Emika. And the, in, the issue is um, very interesting because we all have some types of prejudice. Right. And prejudice, you know, you can hear in the word prejudice that it's coming from judgment, like you're judging someone before, pre, you're, you're prejudging mm-hmm. someone about something about them based on something external usually. And... Um, you know, we all have these kind of things inside of us. And it's not, some, some of these stereotypes, you know, like they're actually true in some, in some mm. instances. Like you look at certain kinds of things and you can see a general trend for a certain type of, certain type right. of person from a certain country and certain things, you know, and, and that's their culture and that's what it is. Um, and, and then, you know, like they're, they're, we make these judgments and it's like you were talking about, it's very easy, it's much easier so there, there's this thing where people like to make passive decisions rather than active decisions. Mm. And what that means is that it's easier for me to, like you said, reach out and understand someone who's more like me right. than it is for me to take the extra effort, extra effort to try to, to, try to go through else. because it's a lot of work. Mm. It's a lot of work for me to sit and say, okay, what's life like for you? <laughs> because mm. it's totally different than the way I think. Well, um, I like that you mentioned that. Um, I, we were having a conversation a, a couple of weeks ago and there was a question a friend of mine asked that humbled me. It just shook me. Like, because I studied in England for three years and I was, and that was the first time I got to attend a church where, man, I was like maybe one of five Africans that I knew there. So everyone, it was predominantly white. It's a white church in court. And it was a bit difficult for me because that's the first time I'm in that environment. The way we worship is different. Even the way we address prayers and a couple of other things are different. I almost felt like I needed a reason to leave, but I didn't see any reason to leave. I just felt like these guys are still serving the same God. We are still serving God. You get it. So why should you leave? So I actually had to go through the discomfort to still stay. And I got, I got at home. I felt at home amongst these people because I realized the language of God's love amongst them. It wasn't just culture. It was God's love there. But during this period of this whole uproar in the States with George Floyd, one of them asked this question. She was like, Emeka, how have we failed you as a British church? And that really struck me because this is a community that is willing to learn. They are trying mm-hmm. to understand the community such because there's a lot of opera people saying things like, I think we'll still get back to that. Like, oh, not all black lives matter. It's all lives matter. There's a lot of defense. And sometimes I wonder, is there anything both parties are supposed to learn in this? So I like what you mentioned initially, because it's, I, I just, I admire the question that someone was willing to ask me as an African. Like, is there anything? Like, have I had an experience of racism that probably I wasn't able to tell the church about and if, if there was a way they would have helped. And I think that's what the body of Christ is about. So what I'd like to do, if it's okay, is go around a little bit and, and what, what, um, what, what experiences with racism have you had? 
And have you guys had, you know, we're, we're from all different countries here. And, you know, the, the conversation often revolves around, well, what's happening in the United States? But mm. the United States is only one country and there's a lot of <laughs> other countries. And it's generally, um, you know, people feel like, oh, well, the racism in the United States is much worse than anywhere else. Well, you know, <laughs> let, let's see. Let, let's, let's hear some stories. Is, is there racism other places as well? I mean, um, you know, what, let's, let's hear from Hepsibah. What's going on in India? In India, we don't have racism or at least we don't consider what we have as racism. Because I thought when the question came up about uh, racism, I was thinking, okay, there is no racism in India. But then I went into deep thinking and I found that, no, we have. We call it as a discrimination. And we have a caste system. I think many of you will know there is a caste system in India. And there are about maybe 300 castes in my state alone. Oh, and wow. 300. But we come under a particular category, like backward class, most forward class, and most backward class. And um, these classes always, is not easy to be addressed. Even in India, if you go and ask people about what is your caste, they won't, they'll look at you as if, what are you talking about? Because we address caste system in our administration as a government, but the way they treat the low class people is so bad we cannot even describe in words it's so worst and it, it's been dealing for many years maybe for centuries and nobody is ready to address it so mm. in so let me, let me just ask a couple of questions here so it there's this caste system in india where we have different levels of of society can you move out of one caste into another caste no we can't Oh. It's by birth. Oh. You can't deliver. And so can you, can you end up like, uh, let's say, you know, you're in a low c class caste. Does that affect what job you can get? Uh, most of the time, the government tries to make this low caste people come up by giving so many discounts and uh, free education. And uh, when it comes to marks, we have to address examinations. And for that people, they can get low marks and still get into places. The high caste people. And No, the mm. low caste people. Ah, okay. They can do that all. But when it, when it comes to society, and they, then they will not be given that position. Even they are in the authority, they will always treat them as, okay, they belong to low caste. And they accept it too, because it's been for centuries. Nobody is coming forward and saying that, no, we should not be treated like that. Wow. So it, let's hear from Hillary. I just no. It, it's a really great. Ex it's a really great example, like what you said, about This um, example of how the government does try to make things equal, right? Like in the system, they try to bring up the lower caste by doing these. I, like in in the U.S., it would be. Minority, affirmative, action. affirmative action. They try to do that, but you know when there is a deep-seated mm. uh, belief and deep-seated um, prejudice against certain castes, and and when the society is, doesn't change, right. all these other things that you do become superficial, and they they still don't equalize people, mm. um, even though the government tries to bring bring people up. Um, mm, that makes sense. It's uh, true. Can we hear from you about, like, what's your experience with race and racism? I mean, you were using a word a few minutes ago before we started, colorism. What, what, what are you, what's going on? Uh, <laughs> colorism? You, you, so I just, just so, so people know, you're, you're from Myanmar. I'm from Myanmar. Burmese. Burmese. Used, uh, used to be known as Burma. Um, uh, it's between India and Thailand. The majority of this country 
um, uh, are Buddhist Burmese people. Um, it's one of the ethnic groups, but we have, you know, we have about uh, almost 135 minor ethnic groups. So it's a very diverse country, but the majority of people are Burmese people and about 80% are Buddhist. Mm. Um, and I grew up there as a Christian girl cr- coming up from a Christian family and I was dark skinned because my dad was dark skinned. And um, and the, the co- colorism in Asia, I think it's pretty it's it, it's we might not call it racism, but it's it's, it's pretty equivalent. Yeah, it's di- discrimination based on the color of your skin. Because you're darker, you're uglier. Because you're darker, you might not get married, or you know, you, we don't want kids from from your your color. Mm. You know, or or just um, the other thing, Anthony, that you point you you mentioned about stereotypes. Also, sometimes it's true. You see them in certain cultures, and that's true. You know. I fulfill some stereotypes that people have about Asian people. I love rice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, I just cool. I, like ev- I have to eat rice every day, it, uh-huh. or else I feel like I'm just having snacks. Oh yeah. But um, <laughs> but I think the problem with uh, the problem with stereotypes when it becomes bad is when people use stereotypes to assume the worst of you. Right. Right. You they they look at your your look your color and then they assume the worst of you. And for me how I experienced that, I, I don't think I experienced that as much in Burma, but how I experienced that is when I came to Israel as an Asian girl. Oh, hold on a second. We're in the Holy Land. There's no discrimination <laughs> or <laughs> wow, racism. Really? I mean... <laughs> Yeah, right. Like that's what I thought. I came here. I was like, oh, all these holy then people. Then I guess you'd be the only human in Israel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is the land Jesus walked. Like, um, yeah. No, I, I. That's that actually was the first time because I, you know, grew up in Yemen, lived in the U.S. for several years, came here, and I feel like in Israel was the first time I felt, I felt I was I was um, uh, hated on because of the way I looked. Wow. And I'll give you an example is when uh, in Beersheba. So I came to Beersheba and I was like the five, one of the five Asian people in Beersheba at the time, like eight years ago. So when I walked down the street, I lived in Gimel and every, if it wasn't every day, it was every other day, there would be someone that kind of, you know, yelled out at me like, Hey, China, China, oh. call me China. But that's not the problem. The problem is they come up to me and they ask me how much I cost. Oh man! And that could be one of two things: they either want me to clean their house, or they want oh, me I as a I think as some a sexual worker. Okay. Oh, wow, really? Right. So, so that people would just come up to me. I had people, you know, car their car the car would slow down next to me and be like, "Hey, come in! Like, how much do you cost? How much for a night?" Like well, that's sad. So that really hit me because oh. I've never, I've never been, you know, and I came here as a medical student to study in Ben Gurion University. And, you know, I've had all these life experience and I had never been treated, um, you know, just assumed that I was a prostitute or a sex worker just because wow. of the way I looked. Um, so, yeah, so that's how I've experienced. <laughs> wow. That's oh. intense. And uh, yeah, um, let, let, we don't have a lot of time left. But we want to uh, hear a couple other stories. I'd like to go to Samuel. I mean, wh- wh- thanks for sharing that. That's super intense, Thank Hillary. You very much. And uh, you know, I, I think it's 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 so against how God views people. Th- yes. This kind of thing. I, I mean, and so um, you know, what what lives matter to God? Mm. And I'm not trying to make any political statement in saying <laughs> this, but but we all we are all seen in God's eyes as created in His image with eternal value, with an eternal soul that will live forever. And he wants us to have that life 
and joy in him, no matter what we look like on the outside. And, and, um, you know, that, so, so absolutely black lives matter and absolutely Burmese lives matter. Absolutely. Indian lives matter, you know, and, and, uh, and we want to make sure that we, we affirm that. And, and right now the, the conversation in the United States is about black lives. And so we definitely need to say that black lives do absolutely matter. And so I'd like to hear from, from Samuel, like how Samuel, have you, um, have you experienced racism in some way? I mean, is there, is there racism in Nigeria? I mean, are, are, <laughs> Is everybody just black and everybody, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, can you help me with this? Okay. <laughs> so as uh, Hefsiba and uh, Hillary also mentioned, we don't have so much differences in our color per se. So, but one thing we do have as uh, a big difference in Nigeria, uh, the differences in the tribes. So we don't have so much of the caste system Some or the colorism, do. but we have tribalism as well. So we have in Nigeria almost 250 tribes or even sub-tribes. And there is so much differences that people bring into the way they interact with each other that they begin to discriminate in a lot of things you can't even imagine. For example, even with regards to marriage, I remember a situation back then when I was supposed to go for my national youth service. For example, in Nigeria after the first year, you're sent into you know, the you're sent to another part of the country under geopolitical zone to serve the country there, and it's usually a place where you're not uh, familiar with, a place where you didn't grow up. So I was sent to the south south, and I remember a lot of comments around me then, saying you don't bring home a girl from there <laughs> because uh. we're not part of them; they are not like us. So be careful, <laughs> and that was for me unrealistic <laughs> like for what reason you don't even know who i'm going to meet there what if i fall in love with the person so and then i realized that it's not even when you cross the country like even where you are some people who have come to serve there or who are because of education or for a job are studying there a lot of decisions that are made are, are connected with how close we are to different tribes and that mm. begins to bring a lot of hatred. And sometimes it has even led to a lot of riots and violence, even in the city. So in that sense, I wouldn't call it racism, but it's still discrimination that goes through the fabric of the society that is just a decay that is getting worse. And I think, as you said, all lives are precious to the Lord, no matter the color, no matter the tribe, no matter the, mm. the, the social demographic status we are, we all matter to God and our lives are precious. This is how God sees us. And I think we should see each other through the eyes of God, the mm. eyes of love. Mm. So we, we'd like to just uh, read a couple more Bible verses that, that touch on this and, and about the value that God sees in people. And, and so, um, Hepsiba, you just read so wonderfully, and we really appreciate you reading for us. So if you would, if you would go ahead with that verse from Galatians. So Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Mm. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so, so when, we, when we come, you know... The, the thing is, guys, that inside of our heart as humans, 
we have a problem. Right. And our problem is that we have sin. And one of the ways that we sin is by prejudging other people. And, and, um, and one of the ways that, as this scripture is talking about, when we repent, which means we like turn around, we change our mind. We say, mm. I change my mind. And, and so we repent and say, okay, I change my mind about the way I'm judging these other people right. at, because of the way they look or the way they talk or the way they act or what tribe they're from or how dark skinned they are, or what caste they're from. I change the way that I judge them because God sees them as valuable and, and, and as one, you know, as having precious. the same precious, that's the word precious. Um, and then, you know, in the book of revelation, there is this vision of the end. And, uh, and so John, the, the, the apostle John is writing this book and it's this vision that he has of, of what's going to happen at the end. And could you, could you read that last verse there? That, that's just so cool. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. After these things I looked and behold, a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. A great multitude from every nation, from every tribe. What's amazing to me in that verse is that in heaven we're not all just singing the same language. So how could he know that they're singing all these different languages simultaneously from all mm. these tribes? So it's some kind of picture of everyone being, you know, this vision of oneness. Mm. Right. Mm. And, um, you know, th there's this kind of a, lot of a lot of human philosophies about how we're going to get to this utopian idea of everyone getting along, you know, like, can't mm. we just all get along and be friends? But the problem is that inside of our lives, we have these twists. Mm from the day we're born. And, and this sin in our, in our heart is, can, can only be healed by, by Jesus and his love for us. And so, so, you know, this is a very interesting conversation and, and we'd love to go deeper into this. Maybe we'll right, continue I it. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Should you think we should continue I think this? It's something we should continue. Cause, um, I think we, it's a good thing we've identified this cause, um, what comes to mind in all this talk is what the Bible actually tells us as believers to do when we see these things, not just to pray or do like, but we have to, we have a proactive role. Like, and I think speaking up about those things is actually justice. Um, justice is not always judgment because at the end, like we humans are not the best at giving the right judgment, but sometimes justice could actually entail putting some right systems in place as believers. What do we have to build and what do we have to break down? Is there any mentality that we might have grown up with and we don't even know about it that we have to demolish that we don't want them to be transferred to our children? So that uh -huh. is, so I think we, this, is a, this discussion calls for deeper thinking of what can we learn, what can we build and what can we demolish? And I'm very happy Hilary has shared this. So I think definitely we have to talk about this again. And I go deeper now into what does God want us to do as believers? If we are going to be verbal about this, how verbal should we be? I've been on the social media. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uproar and... Sometimes yeah. you don't want to type anything because if you type something, someone is going to give you some backlash and it, you're not going to sleep the whole night. So what yeah. should we do? So I think we have to talk about those things. And yeah. So um, thank you. Thanks everyone for joining us here. Thanks to all our guests. And there's no way we could end this without saying thank you to our engineer, Boozy. We appreciate for this wonderful opportunity. And thank you to BGU Radio. Thank you.
We're really glad you listened in and we will get back to you guys next time. Thank you very much. Connect Radio. Campus Connect Radio is an expression of the International Christian Student Group at Ben Gurion University.